Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to Daily Daf Differently. This is Jeremy Kalmanowski and thank you for joining me today to begin a new tractate, the tractate we generally know as Beitzah, an egg based on its first words, although the real name of the tractate is Yom Tov because it deals with a number of the laws that don't refer to a given one of the holidays, Rosh Hashanah or Sukkot or Pesachim, but refers to holiday legislation in general. The tractate begins, as its name suggests, with a story or a case about an egg. Beitza shenulda biyom tov, an egg was laid upon the holiday. Beit Shammai omrim teachel, uveit Hillel omrim lo teachel. Beit Shammai says that egg can be eaten, and Beit Hillel says it cannot be eaten. This page goes on, the Mishnah goes on to enumerate another few disputes between Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai. And we know these disputes also from another place in the Mishnah, they appear in this order, in almost the exact same wording, in a tractate called Eduyot. Eduyot means testimonies, and they are regarded as the oldest, most authentic uh, pieces of rabbinic literature. And over there, in tractate Eduyot, it says, Here are the things upon which Beit Shammai was lenient and Beit Hillel was strict. This was one of them, that the egg laid on, uh, on Yom Tov can be eaten on Yom Tov. Beit, Sh- Beit Hillel says no. And then there are a couple of others. Beit Shammai has a slightly more lenient standard of how much chametz in your house uh, it constitutes a violation of possessing, not eating. Eating, they agree, but possessing chametz on Pesach. And they also have a disagreement about the, uh, about the process of slaughtering an animal for consumption on Yom Tov itself. But the main thing that we're interested in, and the thing that gives this tractate its name, is the case of the mysterious egg. Uh, to, to know what's going on, to really understand what's going on, you have to know one piece of background information, which is that on Shabbat, all work is forbidden, and the Torah says, kol melacha, any work cannot be done. But with respect to Yom Tov, it usually says, the Torah says, kol melechet avodah, any laborious work cannot be done. And in Exodus chapter 12, it makes the specific exception that work related to the preparation of food is permitted. And that's the major difference between Yom Tov and Shabbat. Now, this doesn't mean that absolutely everything that is even tangentially related to food preparation becomes permitted. And Beit Hillel has told us, and as you know, we usually follow Beit Hillel in these matters, Beit Hillel says that an egg laid on Yom Tov should not be eaten. Now, Mishnayot, as you may have learned by now in Talmud studying, Mishnayot are often very opaque. They're written in shorthand, they're written in a kind of mnemonic code, and we often don't know what the specific uh, topic that we're discussing is. And so one of the things that Amoraim do, the post-Mishnaic authorities, is they impose an ukimta, or a contextualization of a Mishnah. They'll ask the question, what is the relevant case under examination? So when Beit Hillel says that the egg laid on Yom Tov is not to be eaten, the, we, we, we will see here on our page now several Amoraim explaining why, what it is that Beit Hillel objects to. Or more precisely, what is it that Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai are disputing about? 
on the next page we will get two answers which maybe are a little bit less conceptually compelling um, that that this prohibition of an egg is derivative of prohibitions against squeezing juice out of a fruit on Yom Tov even on Yom Tov you can't do that or uh, fruit fallen from a tree on Yom Tov you're to, to dissuade you from going climbing the tree you're not allowed to eat fruit that fell on its own from Yom Tov but we have two major ideas which are somewhat more conceptually compelling and certainly the Gemara spends much more time examining them the first of them is the position of Rav Nachman Rav Nachman's position is that the case under examination in the Mishnah is not of a hen that has been kept for the purpose of killing the hen and eating the hen it's a hen that is kept for the purpose of laying eggs and therefore the underlying conceptual dispute between Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai has to do with the concept of muktze. Muktze literally means the, an object that is set to the side and there are any number of reasons why one is not supposed to touch or use uh, objects on Shabbat and Yom Tov. Um, for example, if they, are, if they are used in a mitzvah that is uh, inapplicable on the day of Shabbat or Yom Tov or they are used in ordinarily speaking a prohibited labor then you can't touch them on Shabbat or Yom Tov. And a chicken that has been designated as a an egg-laying chicken becomes muktzeh. And the dispute between Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai is that Beit Hillel holds that that chicken becomes muktzeh, and Beit Shammai disputes that that chicken becomes muktzeh. Those positions are correlated with the later views of Rabbi Shimon, who takes a more lenient view about muktzeh, and Rabbi Yehuda, who takes a stricter one, one of the things that's interesting about this is that our page will articulate that the rules of Muktza are stricter on Yom Tov than Shabbat because, in general, and this is, I think, a true statement, in general, people treat Shabbat more seriously. And so, therefore, the rabbis considered themselves authorized to lighten the reins a little bit with respect to Muktza on Shabbat because people take it pretty seriously. But they, they tried to impose a stricter set of rules on Muktza vis-a-vis Yom Tov, because in general people don't take it very seriously. Uh, now, I think that's an interesting uh, window into the rabbi's own self-consciousness about their legislation. You have to apply stricter rules on things that people take less seriously uh, to counteract their natural tendency. Okay, that's Rav, Rav Nachman's position, and on our page it is uh, ultimately not seen to be persuasive. Uh, Rabbah has a different position, and it has to do with a concept related to Muktzah, although not exactly identical. Rashi actually gives it the same term, but uh, it's not exactly identical to Muktzah. His concept is called Hachana, preparation, or Muchan. That is, that something to be used on Yom Tov has to be designated for use and ready for use on Yom Tov when the Yom Tov begins. And so Rabbah's position imposes an entirely different ukimta or contextualization of the Mishnah itself. Amar Rabbah, and I, I'm in the middle of the bet side of the page. Amar Rabbah, Leolam bitarnagolet haomez laachila, uviyomtov shechal lihiyot achar shabbat askina. We are dealing here with the case, not with an egg-laying chicken, well, chicken that happens to have an egg in it, or happens to lay an egg, but, but the owner designated the chicken for Akhila, for, for eating the chicken. And the the time in which this event takes place is a Yom Tov which begins immediately after Shabbat. And we have a piece of folk knowledge, I have no ornitholo- ornithological knowledge of knowing this is true or not, that the egg growing inside the chicken is completed the day before. Uh, 
completed within the chicken's body, the hen's body, the day before. And so, if it is a yom tov, if this egg is laid on a yom tov that happens to fall immediately after Shabbat, then we are left to the inevitable conclusion that the egg itself completed its journey towards completed egghood on Shabbat, and hence it was not muhan. It was not ready and prepared when the Shabbat began, and thus you run afoul of what Rabbah takes to be a biblical prohibition, that you cannot prepare for Yom Tov on Shabbat and cannot prepare for Shabbat on Yom Tov. Now that does seem a little bit of a stretch. It does seem a little bit of an odd interpretation to interpolate all of this other stuff. The, the, the Mishnah didn't say anything about when this happened. It happened on a Shabbat, a Yom Tov after Shabbat. And yet there are a number of other rabbinic texts which do take this approach. So I think we can say that at least back in the 3rd or 4th century in Babylonia, this was a prevailing or the prevailing position. Now, if that's the case, um, that, we're, that the Mishnah is specifically with respect to a Yom Tov that comes after Shabbat, the Gemara asks the natural question, Abaye, Rabbah's uh, student and I think nephew, asks the natural question, okay, so like a typical Shabbat, when an egg is laid, or a typical Yom Tov, when an egg is laid, that doesn't, is not immediately appended to Shabbat or Yom Tov, which should be permitted, right? And the answer is, uh, no, we, we make a standard rule that applies to all Yom Tovim, all holiday days, because of the specific quality of those which follow Shabbat or Yom Tov. Thanks for learning today's rather difficult page with me, and I look forward to learning with you again tomorrow. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.